Welcome to the Oscar Central podcast. Uh, I'm your new host, Lex. How you doing? It's me. Um, <laughs> and I'm here uh, joined with two of our other team members. Nicole is currently, um, I was about to say not with us, but like she's still alive. She's fine. Um, she's just She'll be back next week. Please stop. <laughs> She'll be back next week. Um, Nicole, you're in our thoughts and memories. Um <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but I'm here with uh, Kenzie. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to have this show as your first official full-time host. That's, that's me. It's about to get real chaotic. Jillian, <laughs> uh, how about you? I am well because Succession Sundays are finally back and nothing makes me more excited. We love to see that. Succession has been on my watch list for like two years now. And I think this is the year I'm finally going to watch it. Um, as it's ending. Yeah, yeah this is last season. Well, then, then I'm going to wait for this season to drop and then I'm going to binge it. That's, I did this was intentional. Um, That's smart. I'm doing that, that with my plan all along. A few um, of the shows that I have to pay for a subscription service. There you go. Um, as always, I am also joined with an Olipop, which um, does not sponsor us because if it did, we would have to change our name. Um, I say that as a lawyer. Anyway, um, before we get into this very special episode, um, I thought we could go ahead and just, it's you know, I feel like we're still coming off that Oscars buzz, that Oscars haze, if you will. Um, and it's been a minute since we've kind of like checked in. So I thought we could kind of go around and just say like what we have been watching. Um, I'll go first. I finished the Daisy Jones and the Six series. Um, I really love that book. And I will say, I don't think the show quite held up to the book in my mind. Um, but that said, like, I think the performances in that show are all amazing. I think everybody deserves an Emmy. Um, Camilla Marone, the girl that you are. Um I really liked that. Um, I am seeing Dungeons and Dragons this week uh, in memoriam of my dearly departed husband, Daddy Munson. Um, and I um, weirdly today I got the urge to rewatch both Father of the Bride movies. And so I did. Um, I'm a huge Nancy Myers girly and those aren't necessarily my favorite of hers, but they they're good. They're a good watch for when you're just feeling a little bit off. Um but some good stuff all around, a good variety. Uh, Kenzie, what have you been watching? I This is like going to be a really funny segment because I saw a lot with Jillian. Um, but I re-watched um, NS Main uh, to finish up my review. And I'm finally seeing it in the theater this week. And just like exactly what I want from a movie. Um, I think it only opens in limited release this week. But if you can check it out. It's definitely worth it if you are ready for it. Um, I also finished Daisy Jones, and I gotta say, I don't think I'm a fan of the show. And it's not like it's like I do think it's like perfectly casted is the weird thing. And I, it's like I just think maybe it wasn't something that should be adapted into TV or something. I, it's really I think weird because I'm happy that I watched it. And I do want to rewatch it, but it's just because I like the characters. It has nothing to right. do with the show. And I don't know, like when I was watching the finale, because I knew what was coming, I just feel like it wasn't done the way I ever envisioned it. And that's not, 
it, and I don't think that's my problem. I don't think I like overhyped it or something. I just feel like the reveal, if you will, was very like not executed well. Like it was very like I can't get into why I know exactly what you're talking about, and I can't I can't get into why without spoiling it. So we will we talk, either about, talk about this offline, <laughs> or I can say spoiler alert. Uh, Daisy Jones, spoiler alert. Spoil it. Yeah, spoil it. Spoil, spoil it. alert. Spoiler alert. Go ahead, uh, minute. The issue is is because they changed that last scene where Camilla is supposed to go to Daisy's hotel room and be like, he's never going to leave me. And that's when Julia's like, wait, I was there. That's when it all clicks in the but book. So, and so when they cut that, I guess I, that what is are you what doing? Is, but it was just like, it felt so like, I, it wasn't like when I read it in the book, it felt like, oh, the camera went down for a second. Like they like completely like pushed it to the side and it was like this big shocking thing. Like I've never really, cause I'm, I do like the book, but it's the same kind of thing where I'm just like a fan of the characters created. Like yeah. I do think it's like poorly written at times. Like it is like, but I do love it. It's not like, I'm not like shitting on it or anything. It's just like, it felt so like, <gasps> when you were reading it yeah. and it did not feel like obviously I knew what was coming but it just felt like I was like you know when you watch something and you're watching it with someone who hasn't seen it and they don't know like I looked at my husband in preparation for that moment and I was <laughs> like he like didn't even flint because it wasn't like a thing I don't know it's like, weird though because like I actually ended up and I think it's because I just loved and here's my thing I've read most of Taylor Jenkins Reid Jenkins Reid's books like I just finished um Carrie Soto is back and I gotta say like love Daisy Jones I like Evelyn Hugo hated Malibu Rising Carrie Soto is fine she's really good at making really compelling characters with the exception of in Malibu Rising in my opinion and making a good storyline it's the way she drives the story doesn't always hit yeah I just and I think though what where the show worked because I do agree with you in some ways of like it it mostly is like the characters I feel like it's Camilla Marone's interpretation of Camilla Dunn I thought was just so perfect that it made me even more invested in Camilla as a character than it did in the book and so believe it or not I actually cried harder when Camilla, I knew she, and the thing is, I knew she the, was, the I, I knew from the beginning. Yeah. When she adjusted her wig, I started sobbing, and I cried harder than I cried when Eddie Munson died. I Come just, on. like, I don't know if it was because, like, at first I was so, like, offended they changed the SNL scene, like, entirely. Yes, like I was so mad I was really excited for that, and I just felt like they changed it. And then, I don't know, like... I really pictured um, what's his name's funeral in my mind, and then Teddy's, and then like we just didn't. Like, and then we get just it. blew right and past I, it. I was just like, I don't. I just felt really like let down. Um, but it's really weird because like it's the same thing as um like the effect in Babylon and Elvis, where they show you like the beginning, so you just like immediately want to watch it again because like Daisy and Billy like reuniting at the end. I was like, oh, I kind of want to like experience this all over again. Um, but that concludes our Daisy Jones talk. Um, if you are listening and you're like, I didn't see Daisy Jones. Um, I also started Yellow Jacket season two. Bravo already. Ears, 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 buzz, buzz, buzz. Um, I saw something else. I don't remember. And then I saw two movies with Jillian. Funny enough, they have the same background. 
um john wick 2 and murder mystery or john wick 4 and murder mystery 2 um oh and i watched all the john wick movies this week for the first time in preparation for john wick chapter 4 so when people tell me i um have a recency bias with my ranking that's not true because they're all recent to me they are all brand new to me this week i'd never watch any of them they're all streaming on peacock except the fourth in theaters and um Seeing John Wick Chapter 4 in IMAX opening night was um, amazing. The stare sequence uh, with a sold-out crowd. Insane. Um, Murder Mystery 2. Uh, not for me. Good. I mean, Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler are clearly, like, amazing at what they do. It's just, like, not my thing. Um, but I will say I liked it better than Glass Onion. Um I just think it was a little more uh, self-aware. Um, but yeah, I think that was a great weekend. And then I'm wrapping up with Succession tonight after we record. So fun times. And I will say I'm very close to making John Wick Chapter 4 my favorite movie of the year so far. Um, Q1 hasn't ended, but like what's going to come in and uh, do that more? Jillian can attest to my reaction watching this movie. I may be an action girly now. And Rena, a star. A star. She's so great. I can't wait to see what she does next. I hope she gets a spinoff. But yeah, that's all I I watched this week. Oh, and I watched all the screams in reverse order. Because I watched Scream 6 in theaters. And I was so irritated because I hated it so much. And I watched 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. No on paramount plus are they all on paramount plus yeah except six yeah. In i might i might revisit all but five i hate five i hate five so much and i will say with my rewatch i think i'm a scream three defender all of a sudden i don't know what's overtaken I me i like just scream like three. i really like how i think it's as meta as people think scream five is yeah that's my thing is Scream 3 is what people say Scream 5 is. Yeah. Also, Parker Posey. Parker Posey, her performance is so I feel like it's almost better than her and Josie and the Pussycats because like I love her and Josie and the Pussycats though. But I just so feel much. like there's like this there's like this part where um she's like, is Sydney here? And <laughs> Scott Foley's like yeah she's right there and she's like no like I'm Gail but that's Gail and the way she says it is just so good I was like I love Parker Posey I will follow you I that scene in Josie and the Pussycats when um she takes her her to the back room and she's like so Josie what do you weigh and she's like uh 115 she's like ha 113 I'm two pounds lighter than you it's like that and when she eats like she picks up a single pringle to eat and she's like (laughs) I'm such a pig and she like puts it down I'm a girl it's a single pringle like it is so funny I love that um, can we please do an episode on Josie and the Pussycats one day yeah let's do an episode on 2000s classics starting with 2000 we'll have Geppetto then 2001 we'll have (laughs) Josie and the Pussycats and then after that I don't care um what year did the ring was 2002 i think so yeah you could do the ring the ring two perfect ring two is a fun sequel that mirror thing in the bathroom was so scary i love talking about stuff that has nothing to do with anything jillian what did you see yeah, jillian what did you see besides john wick uh four and murder mystery two 
Um, I saw How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Um, it played at TIFF last year during, I don't know what their midnight thing is called. I think it's, I want to say it's Midnight Madness, but I don't know. Don't want to get it wrong. Um, and it was really fun because it's like a heist about like blowing up a pipeline, but then it's also like a commentary on like what is actual effective activism and who is actually like affected by like these more radicalized I don't know approaches to causing a disruption and I just wrote a review on it and I like I love like thinking back on what I watched and like it was such a perfectly cast ensemble where like everyone got like a really well fleshed out um backstory but then it was like also part of the plot and I don't know it just like made me realize how many films like don't really have a full steam ahead every single second of the film where it and you're you also feel so close because they're like putting together a bomb that like they have to transport and it's, it was really like scary um but really good and then I watched a thousand and one uh which won the Sundance Grand Jury Award this year and Kiana Taylor is incredible like I thought this was her first acting thing this is her second and I can't wait to see what she does next and another film that has a moment in the third act where like my mouth like I gasped at this twist that made me rethink every single moment of the movie that came up before that um also just like a really powerful story about gentrification um in 90s New York which was cool to see play out um but sad but it was like the way they did it was like really fascinating and I think original and unique and then of course watched John Wick for the movie of the century after I watched the rest of them I finished I think I finished two and three this week and then did four that was insane I also don't like action movies because I'm that person that I'm like can't we talk this out like (laughs) can't we reach a diplomatic conclusion but this was really good it felt very I think the movies the movies that I tend to like even like last year are the ones that I didn't anticipate and then I'm just like obsessed with them and I don't want to stop talking about them and that was John Wick 4 it was insane insane and then watch Murder Mystery 2 um I did not see the first one but they, okay. they do a they do like a previously on like they do a previously on which is helpful they should have done that they should do that for every sequel but I thought it was like fun I liked again I also liked it better than Glass Onion because I think it was like self-aware um Kinsey and I talked about this after we watched the movie that we like when it's on location and you don't feel like you're in like a fictional box like I did when I was watching Glass Onion um I think uh, yeah Adam Sandler Jennifer Aniston like it's they're just really consistent and their comedic work which is good um sure there'll be a third one and then I'm doing a re I just finished Veep for the first time and then I'm watching it again because it's really funny um and I there's like moments I keep thinking about and then I'm trying to do a best picture watch of everything I'm on the departed right now but my Hulu kept glitching so I have not finished it but we'll give an update once I get through it um I'm a yeah. huge The Departed Defender, even though two of my biggest enemies of the world are in it. So I don't know why I'm such a defender of that movie. I think it's because it's my favorite Leo performance, other than like Titanic. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think he, I'll never see him be so weird ever again, like in a fun way, you know? Like, 
and I I don't know Jack Nicholson is just such a legend and to see him like with Leo is just I think it's like one for the ages and I'm not it's so weird because I'm not a like mob or like like Boston kind of person (laughs) so sorry Matt Damon and uh Mark Wahlberg they're my biggest enemies and I think that goes deep rooted in my feelings towards Boston but it's weird because I like going to Boston I like visiting Boston I think it's a town I would actually like enjoy living in it's just the whole like white angry men thing that doesn't vibe with me I don't know I don't like beer you know I, I think, Irish, I think Boston though. I think there's this interview there's this like interview that Chris Evans did on <laughs> some red carpet and they're like oh where's Scott and he's like I don't know and he turns around and goes Ma! and that is just what instantly when anyone talks about like boston men i think of chris evans going his accent his accent that he slips in and out of i just um it's not for me but i love uh the departed um good but i just want to say one more thing about chapter four and that is like i feel like there's this whole thing um if you listen to the daily episode about a.o scott's retirement a film criticism or read like his send-off piece um about like franchises in general and like what are they doing to the state of the industry I do think there's something to be said about John Wick as a franchise especially because I watched the whole thing in one week where it's visually operating on such a different level and like the director being a stunt coordinator and like Jillian pointing out to me that he worked on the Matrix with Keanu is like he was his stunt he is Keanu and I think that was like a real collaboration between them and then the cinematographer working on the last three installments and just like we were talking about this because of murder mystery too but like they really shot on all these locations and like listening to them talk about how they pulled off such stunts in such public areas is so impressive and I just think there's like this there's like obviously it has like an aesthetic with the neon tinge or whatever but it's just I don't know it's so visually stunning and like the stunts you can see them in full the camera pulls back and you can see everything going on but you can also see Keanu's face and like I don't know it's just so differently done that it feels so lived in and like it feels even though it's like I do think John Wick's kind of like scream where they're like poking fun at like the rules of action genre and like whatever but um I don't know there's such a sense of it being grounded in reality like there's like moments where Keanu like struggles to get up and you're like wow this is it and I just feel like that doesn't happen in a lot of action movies and where Jillian and I were talking about this where like Tom Cruise is like what one crazy stunt can I do the next time in his next installment whereas I feel like John Wick was just like evolving the type of like the same kind of stunt work but like how can we make this fresh how can we make this without like doing something insane like it's just like it's still like hand-to-hand combat but like what can we do to make it more enticing and more unique in this round and especially like the opening big action sequence in John Wick 3 is or in John Wick 4 is like the ending action sequence kind of in John Wick 3 and it's like that's how they start out for like it's just like it's I don't know it's so insane and um if we're really considering adding stunt category like this is the year to do it between this and Mission Impossible like Lex has a whole article on like 
the site now about action franchises and like where they've gotten into at the Oscars and obviously it's a little different with everything everywhere that like it came out in March and held on and like one best picture but like I obviously John Wick has a huge hurdle to climb but I feel like if we have a con- serious conversation about adding stunts like how do you not do that movie <laughs> like well I learned when I was writing my article because I'm not an action girly um that save for like Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones franchises I do love those um but you know gotta support Sammy Fableman um but um Mad Max was something like the fourth or fifth movie in the or Fury Road was like something like the fourth or fifth movie in that franchise maybe even further down some Mad Max Stan's gonna come for me um it was Mad Max was an established franchise and Fury Road got a Best Picture nomination and like should have won one of you know (laughs) maybe actually I was gonna say "Eh," but then I thought about what else there's a a side note there's a typo on the Wikipedia page about this but it's the fourth installment for the Mad Max so well there you go so John Wick chapter four like it's never too late like maybe I doubt it but maybe John Wick chapter four will play or will pull a Mad Max Fury Road and just sneak its way into the Oscars and if it does I won't say when but if it does granted I was I swore that Top Gun wasn't going to get a best picture nomination last year so what what the hell do I know I'm just a woman um but um I uh but if if that were to happen, um, we can all sit here and I will say that Kenzie and Jillian called it first. I do love that Jillian and I were like, who is John Wick? And now we're like, I will die for John Wick. Um, it started off as like a joke. And I remember us buying the tickets, but I don't remember what led to us buying the tickets. We were drunk, not we were across the from the Arrow Theater. We were at the R and D kitchen, or R and D kitchen, our place that we. You know what it was? It was because we had margaritas followed by wine, and we were like John Wick. I don't know the pipeline there. I think we were like we're like what can we go see? And we're like the John Wick, <laughs> and the now we're. But I You guys really said, "Oh my God, it's John." You know Wick. what, Kenzie and I? I was thinking about this. We're getting out of our comfort zone for movies. We are in March. We saw Murder Mystery too. Everyone is. Everyone else is just staying in their lane of like what they like, and it's it's okay to try something new. It's okay to jump from you know international film to franchises and blockbusters. It's okay to drop to go from blockbusters to like indie. Like you can do what you want to do. No, Jillian, I'll, I'll only ever watch Geppetto. <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> uh, that's fine to stay in that lane. Um, I also but, forgot because no one that. else is in that lane with me. So if I leave, then no one's in the Geppetto. I, um, the lane closes. I also forgot <laughs> to add that I watched um another TikTok live of the Taylor Swift Eras tour. Um, I, I don't thought know. you were about to say I watched Geppetto, and, I was gonna leave, and <laughs> no. you didn't tell me. I don't know. I don't know if I can log that on um Letterbox. But Wait, I, you can I log a live stream of the Taylor Swift Eras tour. I watched it twice. I watched. I've seen the Glendale, Arizona. There's only been two: the Glendale version and the Las Vegas version, because I want to um, see what the right songs are. So, um, Letterboxd, if you're listening, can we add that to log? Uh, Geppetto is on Letterboxd. I'm gonna log it right now. 
Five stars. <laughs> um, I just want to say also, so we saw John Wick chapter four in IMAX. I'm just going to keep plugging it. Like make this movie number one until December, November when Dune 2 comes out. I moved um, it up to my number three. And I've seen 72 films this year so far. Damn. I like that. Um, I, so we're watching the trailers and I'm sitting there like, should I go get curly fries? Is it too late? And the Fast X trailer comes on. And this was me the whole time. I just kept running, naming random people. I was like, what are they like? And then Brie Larson is on the screen. And I was like, Jillian, what the fuck? And she goes, you know who else is in this? Helen Mirren. And I was like, excuse me? Why, what is the budget on Fast X? And then mm-hmm. Ricky was telling me that um, Brie Larson was like, I love this franchise. I just want to be in it. And I don't understand what I've only seen um, Tokyo Drift. You know, that's not John part Wick, of the though. franchise. We're like that with John Wick. Yeah. You want to be in it. I got assist. I got a text from my father and it distracted me. And all I heard was Helen Mirren's in this. And then I heard, <laughs> I really like this franchise. I want to be in it. And I was like, oh, we're talking about Shazam. <laughs> Is Helen Mirren in Shazam? She's in yeah. Shazam too. She's in Shazam oh too. With, um, with Rachel Zegler and Lucy Um, you know, we don't support anti-vaxxers on this show. You know, <laughs> these people they just need to make a buck. And did you see his um, Shazam? Um, I don't know if you can log this to on. go see Shazam instead of yeah. John Wick Four, where he's like, you know, you don't want to take your family to the. Unfortunately, you won't be able to see what I'm doing. Jillian always Jillian pointed out that I do this every episode, but. Like, you unfortunately can't see what I'm doing here, but he's like, you don't want to take your family to the <laughs> You know what? I keep seeing these people on TikTok that are talking about, I'm going to defend John Wick. It was supposed to be three hours and 45 minutes, but it was only two hours and 45 minutes. So like, what was that hour that we missed? And they're like, it was a little drawn out. Were there moments we could have cut out? Yes. But I'm like, I But it think- would have been like 20 minutes max. And like, at that point, like, what? Like, we were just losing, like, dialogue, and I feel like the movie needed more dialogue. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's because it's I heard I heard it's because it was supposed to be four and five, and the pandemic ruined that plan, so they kind of combined them, oh, and that's why it's so chapter long. Chapter four, chapter five. I thought you said four to five hours, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I would watch a four-hour review. There's no movie. There's Listen, no movie. Listen, if I could watch John Wick four that and it was three hours long and i was at the netflix theater with the lamps okay i'm in the unloaded popcorn i'm sold um the bay theater if you're listening your popcorn the best popcorn in los angeles it's not even in los angeles but you know Last i'm really was, hoping uh, murder mystery too there was this guy that kept laughing and i'm like every movie that i've seen in theaters recently there's a one person that's Wait, like because at john wick the guy to my right would not stop laughing like it was like jackass forever he was like ah! i was like it's not that funny i'm like what am i missing in all of these movies even the in john wick the guy next to me kept laughing and and the lady in front of us and i'm like what am i missing the lady in front of us got the popcorn tin and i'm really jealous I could have repurposed it for your next theater going. Can you bring it? Oh, I could have. 
I think so. I could have made it like a vase. I was going to say, displayed in your home. Where are yeah. the John Wick Olipops? Where are the there John you go. Wait, what flavor do you think John Wick would like of Mollipops? He doesn't eat or drink, so he wouldn't. Um, no, he, he would like a cherry cola. I was like going to say, I've not seen a single John Wick film, but I'm getting cherry cola vibes. In all of his films, he's in all the John Wick films, he's never seen eating or drinking. Well, that's because he's Keanu Reeves and he will live forever. He will. He will. Uh, well, now sure. that we have gone and spoken at length about a man, <laughs> we will now move into the uh, to the true theme of today's episode. Um, we are excited to announce that Oscar Central is rebranding into a space for female and non-binary uh, writers. Um, we're really excited about this. And we did, in fact, receive a really good response when we announced this. And we are really thankful for the support. Um, if you don't support, that's cool. You can do that silently. Um, John Wick will really- come after you. Yeah. John Wick supports women. John Wick, John Wick supports women. You um, are on the what is the thing they have with the with the pictures and how much money that the people that's what you're gonna be. Yes, your bounty. You uh, bounty. Yes, um, the bounty. Um, the four <laughs> started the fight. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> we got. It being also uh, the last weekend of Women's History Month. Um, to quote Taylor Swift, happen, happy Women's History Month, I guess. Um, <laughs> we thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about some of our favorite women in film, both on screen and off screen. Um, but to kind of get us started, um, what do we think is our favorite film that's like about women that celebrates women and i will have jillian go first jillian's like john wick chapter four john, or jillian <laughs> as she takes a sip of her not olipop i just love drinking whenever alex is talking to me um Sorry. what is my favorite film about or that celebrates women you know, I'm realizing that the films that I like about women are not written or directed by women, and that's a problem. Um, so I have, I have, I think the ones that I like, sadly, that I'm going to say are about, are not written by women or directed. Um, one of my favorites, I think, is about women, I think, is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which I feel like is more, like, about society, but, like, uses Elizabeth Salander as like a micro lens onto like people like her but I think like the fact that it was directed by a man and written by a man but it's like is such a powerful film and she's very layered and not just like defined to like I don't know being this outsider um it's just I don't know it's, it's just a good one I like that one and then um oh <laughs> the Shape of Water, which I don't think is about women, but I just like think it's like I think it's like just another side about like how we envision women on the screen because she's like mute, um, but she has all like these desires. Um, I really like The Shape of Water as like a like it sounds so weird, but like a movie about like shaming people's like 
desires and like repressing women's sexuality and like what women like there's always like discussions about like women's like fantasies being like not put on screen as much as men's and I actually think that's like a really good example of one where like it is about like her desires and like what she like wants for herself and I think like she like gets one you know like yeah but like I do think that's actually a really good example yeah so I think like those two because I feel like they're just movies like they go they're not the traditional of how we think about women depicted on screen and they have to use like especially the shape of water a pretty like crazy uh, plot that will never happen unless amphibian man does exist somewhere and there's a love connection there but I think they're just very like unique and fascinating character studies about like two uh, sides of like women within kind of also showing that there's not a monolith of women on the screen very nice um I can always count on you Jillian to like give and I mean this in a really ni- in a really nice this is a compliment I can always count on you to like give very out there responses that like I wouldn't expect that is a compliment it's a compliment this is coming from someone who works Geppetto in anytime uh, she can that said my favorite film about women is Geppetto I'm kidding um there's literally only one female character in that movie um anyway but she's played by Lu- Julia Louis-Dreyfus you know um that TikTok of Sofia Coppola's daughter and they're like it's not it's not fiasco fiasco <laughs> we could do fiasco. just uh, yes I um I watched that TikTok that that's my favorite film about women is Sofia Coppola's daughter um trying to make pasta on tiktok anyway uh kenzie how about you so like jillian i was like wow so many movies i love about women and like some of my favorite female characters come from men um and i think like one of my favorite examples of that is aaron brockovich because obviously the real life story is just so inspiring but like that movie's really stayed with me for so long and I just think like I rewatched it recently and like as a working mom I just feel like that movie really shows how hard it is and it feels like this like palpable stress and like responsibility that she has um and just like Julia Roberts movie star um but I do think one of my favorite movies about women is actually written and directed by two women um, Jennifer's Body, Karen Kusama, and Diablo Cody. I think that that movie was way ahead of its time. And I just want to say my Facebook profile picture in 2009 through to the end of 2010 was a picture of Jennifer Chuck. So I was ahead of the curve on this one. Um, but I think like what that movie has to say and like casting Megan Fox in that role is so like deeply meta for what is going on and what the movie is saying about women in the media and how society like looks at women and you talk about a movie about like women's sexuality being used against them um but I think that movie says so much about like women through not even just Jennifer but like Needy's character as well um and I think that movie really taught me like a lot of it like speaking up for myself so like obviously it's not like that but like so it doesn't get so bad um but I I don't know I just think that movie is so smart and like you can tell that it's women behind the camera every aspect because it's like so real and I also think that's like a great high school movie 
about young girls and like finding yourself and like learning to speak for yourself um another movie I love about women that was actually made by women um and it's very recent she said I think that that movie is not only such a great movie about um the Me Too movement and sexual assault victims but the journalists at the heart of it like what they're working for and like what how hard much harder it is as women to work because this went viral last week so many people sent it to me but we always call working moms working moms but you just call working dads dads and I think that that movie really shows that part of it because like their husbands are working too but like there's no like look what they're giving up for work like it's so different with women and I think that movie really shows that like their work took a toll on them at home but like they didn't let that affect their home life um and then one of my favorite movies about women and female friendships is the iconic bachelorette with lizzie kaplan and kirsten dunce um first off one of the funniest movies i've ever seen but i think that movie says a lot about like female friendships especially friendships you have for like long term where you're not like seeing them very often and as someone who like left home very early in life i have a lot of friendships where i very rarely see them um, and then when I reunite with them, there's like this weird tension. And I think that that's something that women have dealt with for so long. That, like we're taught to be competitive and like have like this like need to be more successful than other people. And obviously that's something like as we're growing up, like for us, like we see it encouraged to be more supportive of one another. But like growing up, that's not how it was ever. And it was very like catty. And I think that like that movie like really captures that kind of friendship um and I just think the cast has really great chemistry and but but Isla Fisher and everything I just like when she is licking the sidewalk like it's so funny and also the I like that that movie's about weddings too because I feel like weddings just bring out the worst in people um especially like if you have like big wedding parties I feel like there's always like drama I can't relate because I only had a maid of honor but yeah, I think those are some of my favorite. Um, also, The First Wives Club. Another example of a movie about female friendships. Just beautiful. I love First Wives Club. Um, but going off of what you were saying about um, weddings, and it, I actually, I love Bridesmaids. Um, it holds up, like, so well. A lot of, I think, the comedies from you know, the 2010s, like, are hit or miss in terms of how well they age, but Bridesmaids really holds up, and what I love about Bridesmaids is that I feel like women in comedy have this thing where it's, like, a lot of times, you know, there's been books written about women not being taken seriously in the comedy world, Um, and I feel like as a woman who tried to make it as a comedian once, <laughs> um, there's this kind of expectation that, like, you have to be raunchy to succeed because you have to like play on the level of men's humor, right? And what I love about Bridesmaids is that it manages to strike that perfectly where it is raunchy, but it's not like uh, trying to do it for the sake of being raunchy. Like, and it's genuinely so funny. My roommate and I were actually just joking about um, someone brought like emotional support puppies to the school she works at. And um, I told her that she should be like Melissa McCarthy and like (laughs) steal them all. Um, That's one of my favorite movies. And I think it's also one of my 
favorite movies about female friendships um kind of that com- competition between rose Byrne and Kristen wig um and that and um you know the scene where it's like towards the beginning when um uh Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig are at the getting breakfast and she's like you she's like she's yelling at her for hooking up with the man and then she just puts yes. in her teeth and tries to change the subject that is like one of my like moments captured of like female friendship on film like ever yes. it's so it's so real <laughs> it's like I, I don't want to talk about this well and that's so like good. what I think that movie makes that movie so good is like it, it is just so real um so that's a great one I think it shows you know the goods the good and the bad sides of female friendships um but also one of my favorite movies about female friendships is I like how we turned this like about female friendships um this is the female friendship power hour um but I also really love beaches that's one of my all-time favorite movies God. um under the boardwalk I'm gonna cry I can't stand but Mudler until it comes to hocus pocus or beaches and then i'm like get out of the way let that woman sing wind beneath my wings um i think that's the hardest i've ever cried in a movie to this day so fun fact my mom (laughs) when i was like 13 her best friend had come to town and like the last blockbuster in charlotte was right down the street from us and so we went to blockbuster and we rented beaches and Geppetto. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry, it was right there. It was right there. It would just be just. And um, my mom and her friend were like bawling at the end. And it's really sad, but like I did not have a ton of friends in middle school. And so like I couldn't really relate. And so I was like, why are y'all crying? Like it's sad, but like, okay, like they're bawling. And then I watched it as an adult having like made meaningful friendships and like I can't get to that movie without crying. Um, That scene where she tells her that she doesn't want like her daughter to see her like that and she wants to go and Bette Midler knows that like it's a death sentence. It gets me every time and that I start there and then I just don't stop crying. And when she starts singing under the boardwalk, I'm like, um that honestly gets me harder than wind beneath my wings um also that musical she stars in about the um creation of the bra i would like to see it on broadway um i was always gonna i meant to ask you if that was like a good concept i mean i'd produce it i have no money okay. <laughs> so that is i feel like money. i feel like we should see we, we need to we see that it. we need to get um a sponsorship so we can fund <laughs> wait you know what it money is so that we can a change our name and then b um produce the autobahn titzling uh it can be the new um you know how like they're making a mean girls music the musical movie yeah like we can make the beaches musical the movie there we go they no. tried to it wasn't a musical but they did try to remake beaches i remember that with adina menzel and like i did watch it and i no 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 that one gets a hard note for me but we're gonna put extra focus on the making of the bra musical and so that's why our remake will be better um but then my final um or not final, but like one of my other, the only other one I guess I'll mention um, <clears throat> is I actually really, I feel like this counts if we're talking movies about women. I love Josie and the Pussycats. 
um and it feels like really cheeky to like we talked about that at the beginning and now we're talking about it again um but also Um, great movie about female friendship great movie about female friendship great movie i think about women in the entertainment industry and kind of double standards even though that movie does not get enough credit for being as funny as it is that is truly one of the funniest movies i've ever seen when i was seven i was also i really want to stay in that hotel I do too. Um, I want to stay in that hotel and I want to, when I was a kid, I really wanted to go on that Target plane. Um, <laughs> or is it Tide? I can't remember. Like whatever the- No, it's Target and there is a Tide. There's, a t- there's two planes. Yeah. Du jour and Joseph the, the recording studio where it's the padded walls and- um, And that big the white- are squishy. Like I wanted to go in there too. Um. I was obsessed with that movie at like age seven and I thought it was a like serious drama about like these girls that were almost brainwashed because none of the humor like went over my little seven-year-old's head and then um I watched it as an adult and I was like this is the funniest movie I've ever seen in my life um and also if du jour went on tour I would I would see them backdoor lover is that <laughs> Didn't realize, okay, I used to sing that song at, like, my grandmother's house, not knowing. That, like, I, I was told very early on to stop, and I was like, no, and I just kept singing it. We're caught between a rock and a hard place of, like, okay, if we tell her not to sing this, she's going to ask why, and do we want to <laughs> explain it? Um, I still know all the words to that song. Um, but, yeah, those, I think, are my top three, um, which, now that I'm thinking about it, that's a really solid three. Bridesmaids, Beaches, and Josie and the Pussycats. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt to be sold on our Oscar Central Etsy. Um, anyway, <laughs> but anyway, um, so I think for the sake of time, um, we'll now just kind of open up the floor to who are some of our favorite women in film, be they on screen, off screen, just very broad general question. And I will, I'll just open up the floor to whoever wants to speak first. Um, I do want to shout out specifically Viola Davis. Um, I feel like not only is she just a great actress, but I think as we've seen over the last few years, she really like prioritizes telling like women's stories. Um, even if it's like with um like a man directing or writing, like with widows, like she really was like a pivotal part of getting that film made. And um that is a beautiful film about women. Um, in in a way, you never really see female characters on screen, but I think like the Woman King will like stand the test of time as like a movie made by a woman with women behind the camera and in front of the camera, and just like a great story about women and a historical action movie with women as the main cast is unbelievable. Um. But she's also just always been one of my favorites. She's so magnetic, even when she barely has any screen time, like in doubt. Like she's so powerful. And um I hope she gets away from um what is the I don't know, she's in some movie, some Marvel DC, I don't know, one of them. Um just 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 stay in movies that are not those. Cash your check, but do do something better you know the woman king made money but and i love her and her husband and she's just a fashion icon to this day so love her 
Excellent um, choice. I also really love Kirsten Dunst. Um, obviously that clip went viral of her from a round table talking about working with female directors. Underrated. Um, um, but her and Jesse Plemons, one of my favorite celebrity couples, but she uh has been such an exciting actress for so long. And I think like her long-term partnership with Sofia Coppola is like something that like people always talk about Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese when they're right there. Um so true. I every film they've done together has been so incredible and I also think that Kirsten Dunst even if she works with like a man like she tells that she like chooses such incredible projects to tell like really detailed layered female stories I feel like we don't see very often like Melancholia um should have won an Oscar but we all know what happened um but I truly love her and she's been a part of my life for so long like bring it on an interview with the vampire <laughs> like it just feels like the longest really I love cool. her and bring it on and I love Marie Antoinette going back to Sophia <sighs> Marie Antoinette Marie Antoinette um beautiful movie and I also feel like the way she chose to play her was really like just not at all what anybody really expected and I think like she's the only person who could have done that that scene that's like now going viral on tiktok where she's like clap clap oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so good Good. i need to rewatch that it's been a minute jamie dornan's so hot in it jamie dornan the man that you are i didn't think that i would turn into i don't know if i'm a fan of her like i kind of coming off of tar i really like how kate i feel like she's had like a history i don't know not sure how I feel about her as a person, but as an actor, I think she has been like one of the few female like leads to kind of take on more daring, multifaceted like uh, female roles within film that she always feels like she's doing something new and like pushing the limits and just showing like the complexity of women um, throughout her career and obviously Tar. I'm the biggest fan of Lydia Tarr, even though she is evil and I didn't realize the fact that I didn't realize that she was the villain until I had to read a review after because I didn't click with me. I was like, why is everyone so upset with this woman that just wants to do her fifth symphony? Like, I don't get the problem. Um, and I think like even in Carol, like she's just like this very seductive on-screen presence, but like she I just love how she's not afraid to be like a baddie um in the roles that she takes and like her relationship with Todd Field like to do tar um I don't know I just like feel like it's very rare and how you see that um with a lot of collaborations and she has I say she's more with like male directors but I think again like we mentioned the like with Kirsten and Viola like she knows what she wants to do like with her on-screen like female um roles and I don't know she's there's just something about her that is so intriguing to me that like I never paid attention to her until this movie like I've seen things in her career obviously Carol and Lou Jasmine but it was just this tar movie just really took me over the edge and then I think like who is having a really good moment right now is French female directors um, and I think this goes back into like the films that I said that I like about women and Kinsey noted, like they're all about like these hidden 
desires or the things that we feel we should feel shameful about and I feel like um I'm gonna butcher everyone's names but like Julia Ducanal yeah like raw and like titan it's like oh she's so good at like just taking such like a outlandish idea of like both of those movies like those things would never happen in real life maybe raw would happen in real life i don't know (laughs) but like just using like something that would never happen as like an exploration on like the inner desire of like women and then i love celine's Skiyama I'm gonna butcher everyone's names because I think her like entire filmography is like different stages of womanhood or girlhood from like Petite Maman to like the literal movie girlhood to Portrait of a Lady on Fire of just like the evolution of women and like what they secretly desire that is shameful or not really spoken out and I think it just creates a place of like comfort if you yourself who if you identify as female and it's like I know like for me, like if I've ever had thoughts about things, I'm like, I haven't seen that representation on screen. So I don't know if this is normal. Not that I'm a cannibal or hooking up with cars, but (laughs) you know, like the allegories that both of them, I think use in their films. It just like creates a place that hasn't really been on screen about the female experience. Cause again, it's not like a monolith. And then same with like Alice Diop with um, St. Omer, which could have been nominated at the Oscars, but they did not do that. Um, also, just like all of them, like redefining classical genres, like redefining the legal drama, like with Saint Omer, and kind of like this questioning of like motherhood and just identity and like seeking for meaningfulness within one's life. Like I don't know, French women, we need you. We need you to continue to give us these rich stories. I completely agree about Julia de Canal because Raw is like one of my favorite coming of age movies and I always feel like people get so mad at me about that but I feel like it's a really like interesting take on the coming of age genre and it has so much to say about being a woman and like like being a young girl coming into your own as a woman and like having these like desires that are like you don't know how to act on them um but that's a really great um point about French female directors. I feel like they're like they're saying so much and um they do it in such different ways. Like if you compare all their filmographies together, it's so different. Um I really love that a lot. Julie is so good. Kitan is so good. Ah, why do they hate how come when I like French movies, they don't nominate them? And when they're the most boring movies I've ever seen. They nominate them. I don't understand. They're not not ready for it. And they were like, let's just go Argentina 1985. Oh my God. Oh my God. Lex, do you have any cannibals or uh, secret lesbians to add to the mix? Secret lesbians. Let me think. What about a cannibal secret lesbian? Now, that's a movie all right what about a cannibal <laughs> secret lesbian who is in a relationship with a car yeah i'll write it and it will win an oscar <laughs> Actually, I, if you call it argentina 2004 i feel like it will <laughs> argentina 2004 all quiet on argentina. the france front wait call it <laughs> never mind wait. just 
Call it, please. I'm begging you to turn down the volume. <laughs> it's getting a little too cannibalistic here. We gotta turn it down. Please, I'm begging you, turn down the volume. Isn't it Western so front. interesting how like there's so many films nowadays where it's like what we're saying, like for women, like the shame and the even like Joyland, like it's not focused on like the female character, but it's like that whole movie is about like. The desires that we want and like the stuff that's been taken away from her because she has to get in this arranged relationship but like they're not telling them in like a way that is just like that it's like oh she wants to be with this fish or she wants to be with this car or like she's eating her friends it's like she's such eating a her friends she's, she's just like her friends it's such like a creative like I don't know way I guess a way to tell like the feminine spirit because they're all from different like point of views and I think like the internet I kind of like nothing against American women as we are but like I think the international female directors are just like doing something that I wish like caught on over here with being experimental and I don't know if it's just because of like how films are funded abroad but I feel like you get more even like films I remember that I watched by women like from like the Middle East and like Africa like they're just so fascinating on things that like when we talk about feminine issues like we often forget about that are like more serious but like the way that they're told in these stories are so beautiful and like make you want to have a discussion um but yeah when I like so when I reviewed or watched girl picture which was a Finnish film out of Sundance last year and I got to interview the director and cast and like something we talked about and something that struck me about that movie was that the fact that like I feel like when you make a movie about women there sometimes tends to be this pattern where it's like it has to focus on a woman overcoming sexism or a woman overcoming like she has to overcome something you know like she has to stick it to the man she's got to do this she's got to do everything in spite of the misogynist world she lives in. And like, we absolutely do need those stories because I mean, I think in the last week I have been personally reminded of how prevalent misogyny still is. And it's just unfortunately kind of how it goes. And so we do still need those stories, but like there are also, I also like movies where women are just having fun, like where women are just, you know, like, being themselves they're they're focusing on friendships and I'm so sick of this like mentality of like you have a strong female character who doesn't have like a love interest because that's not feminist and it's like no we like there's also part of the story of like a woman can still have desires and romance and all these things and still be a strong woman it's this whole mentality that I'm just like sick of and I feel like Girl Picture did a really good job and I'd mentioned this um, to the director when I did the interview of like that movie centers around three women who are exploring their sexuality for the first times and like it's not their that's not their problem though is like that's not it's not like this big taboo thing of like oh look at them or like even you know it's just it's just how it is it's just a story that's being told in a way that like happens every day we just don't talk about it that way um so I love movies where it's like again don't misunderstand me that like we need we we need stories that have these serious conversations and I'm not saying 
that I don't like movies like like I also love she said I loved women talking last year like there there are movies like that that are great but at the same time I feel like we need more movies where it's has female characters and they're just women and it's like being a woman's not their problem you know what I mean yeah, um, I feel like, a lot about action films starring women because like, yeah. like the you gotta have the big tough there, girl yeah or even the that Snow White that comment they're, yeah where they're like we're not gonna I don't want a love interest because we're gonna like re what like redo like, it or whatever or update it it's like no one I don't think that's the problem I don't like, like that we're selling this mess and like I took such issue with the Snow White thing because I don't like this message that we're sending to young girls of like you can either have a love life and like get married or you can be a strong woman you can do both same message is the problem right you're saying that like she can't have a love interest because it distracts from her being like a feminist character it's like what are you saying about the people who did get married or like did have like I think the thing is it's like that just can't be like her end all be all because like that's what we need is someone who like it's a fairy tale story right like what are we doing here like it's not real anyway (laughs) right why are you like it's like I don't know you can't turn like witches into old hags like it, it and I don't know I get there's no way reboot is going to solve gender inequality by her not having this is like yeah, a I whole other like Jesus. side tangent but I get really annoyed by um the people who are like um who get a little too uh, on Disney stories because I'm like okay it's- like animals don't talk is the thing it's like it's 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 a fairy tale and a lot of those early movies Snow White Cinderella whatever like were reflective of the times and it's not it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't mean that like those are the only thing is happen. then like maybe we don't need to make a remake of it. Like just this leave is it my as thing, it is. Like, let it rest. This is like that's exactly my thing of like I don't I'm personally not crazy about this whole thing of like yeah, a lot of the early Disney movies really problematic. Like some of those you know get really really dicey and it's just I think it's better, I mean, in my personal opinion, I understand that in some aspects, I can't really speak to certain representation, particularly with the more racist representations of early Disney movies. But it's this thing, though, of like, you can't just like, rewrite it, though, and be like, oh, but it's not that anymore. It's this. It's like, well, no, this is what it is. And it doesn't have to be like, I don't know instead of seeing like Snow White remade again and now she doesn't have a love interest it's like well why don't we just make a whole different character like a whole different movie and tell a whole different story you know what I mean it's like I don't well it's like for me if your whole thing is like I want to show this to my kids but it's not going to age very well like how do I explain it to them just don't show it to them show them Puss in Boots the last wish I don't know what to tell you like I it's like that's what I liked about Pinocchio Guillermo del Toro's was that like he updated the story a bit and made it more like grounded and like not reality but like more so like it was grounded in the reality of the times and that it was like taking place in and I think that made it a little more like easy to digest but it's like if you're doing Snow White 
like the plot itself is problematic so like it's like Lex is saying like you just have to make a new character because like you can't if you remake the movie it's like you have to take out the plot and then it's like what are you left with other than the name and you know what movie that is you know Snow White and the Huntsman yes I was wait I was sitting there with bated breath I was like and there was a movie that already did it and did it well with my girl Kristen Stewart uh, who yeah, so one of my favorite actresses yep so just watch snow white and the huntsman instead is um i do think there's something to be said though about like it's the whole like every time they like make a movie about something like you know how um bros like flopped at the box office and like a lot of it was because people were like this is this gay movie and i was like i like it, you, it doesn't have to be that it can just be like a comedy that's that has gay characters like, that was and my like, thing with bros which okay now we're getting on the whole other separate conversation but it's the but same like, kind of thing with like they like they did that so hard with bridesmaids and i was like you know what marketing worked for me where it was just a comedy like yeah, it was yeah. like if you just market it as like just whatever the movie is it's like I don't know. What but then, the like, you're reducing really well at the box office instead of John Wick Four. Well, like, my issue with it is like, if you just market it as like, this is a gay movie, this is a woman movie, this is a what, then you're just reducing the characters to that, and that's think- that's not the experience. And it's just, I'm tired. Of, like, I'm so tired of that. Like, I want more movies where it's like we have like by all means give us a lgbt rom-com and it's these two lgbt characters and it's just it's just a rom-com though it's not an lgbt rom-com it's just a rom-com and i completely understand that like we as a society are so not there yet i think it's easy to kind of think like oh we've made so much progress that like i get it that we're we're not as far along as we maybe think sometimes but it's just it's not it's not going to we're not going to tell i again i know this is wishful thinking but in an ideal world like you wouldn't have to make those distinguish it just like a story just speaks for what it is that's how i felt about i get uh, that's not where we really are the but. marketing for captain marvel because it was i guess wonder woman came out before it so i don't i think it was it was a lot of risk for the studio for being there first but like you, I saw like a major difference between how they wrote and promoted the character of Captain Marvel versus like when Black Widow finally came out as a standalone, and just like how they, I guess like their female characters all represent different identities within the feminism spectrum because I think Captain Marvel and Black Widow were at very two opposite ends where they made like Captain Marvel based off her experiences like stone cold like a male almost like a male stand-in a female mm-hmm. stand-in for a male whereas like black widow they just let her like cry and it was like it was more refreshing to see them add a humanistic layer and for like an action female star than just to like build all this up of like this is the first one and like this we're writing on this and this is what we were going to talk about and it's like I wish we're like specifically for action because we have so many good like female action stars like Viola Davis like Angelina mm-hmm. Jolie like people that have been doing like charlie's um people that have been doing like time and time again and it's like not groundbreaking when they do something but i i like it's just very fascinating when 
we're trying to like put more of that out there but it just keeps getting reduced to like the first the first the first and it was or and like, there's 900 firsts is yeah. my my beef and i'm like just let them cry like, like if they want to like, cry in the movie let, like i don't know let them have my a favorite thing about um charlize Theron being brought up is like atomic blonde is like marketed as like she's the new james but i was like no she is just a female we don't need another we don't need the it female doesn't have to be anything right like, like I, it was so infuriating like uh, that and then like you know who like could have gotten off to um a good start was um i'm alicia vikander like oh, yeah. she had the bod like the but we let tomb raider flop because it was bad but that's not the point was that like maybe she needed an original character she didn't need yeah. to be Laura Croft. Like, right. we needed some, because Laura Croft had so much, like, to it. You know, there's a lot of sexuality, like, sexualized content to unpack there. And, like, they tried to make her not like that. And then it kind of, like, backfired because it was like, why is this movie's weird? But, like, I just feel like we have all these actresses that, like, could pull off. Like, like I'm, I don't, I don't mean this in a mean way because, like, I really want, like, Runa's uh spinoff of John Wick but like why does Ana de Armas need like a platform that's like a John Wick spinoff with all the John Wick actors like if she wants to be and I'm not her biggest fan but like if she wants to be an action star like just write an original thing for her from the writers of John Wick why does it have to be like a John Wick property like with Rina it would make sense because it would probably be like the same character that she plays in that universe but like for Ana de Armas like because I do, f- I didn't see um, the Chris Evans one with um... oh the gray man. Yeah, I didn't see that, but stuff. like <laughs> she was fine in Bond for ten seconds of screen time. Um, I liked her in Bond, but and I'm assuming she'll be pretty good in that new Chris Evans movie, <laughs> like action wise. And it's like if that's the career move she wants, like she clearly can handle it and like do it and like all the behind the scenes videos I've seen of her training like it seems like she's very committed to it so it's like can someone just not write an original like why does it have to be part of a property like that's connected to another thing and like I get it James Bond is like this iconic thing we'll never get away from but like why do we have to be remaking things all the time like just just let people be original and that's like the other thing is like my favorite female characters outside of like the little women women are usually original characters like I like Frances Ha (laughs) that movie changed my life um one of my favorite original female characters and I feel like like Jennifer Chuck means so much to me truly um and I think like a lot of my favorite female characters are from the horror genre and I think that like there's a lot of like smaller directors in horror that are women but I feel like they're not really given the same opportunities as men like I would love to see a movie about and obviously Sydney is not in Scream 6 but like if we're having those movies taken over because Wes Craven's no longer with us like don't you think a woman could have told a really great story about Sydney Prescott like I can't the original female I cannot like, get into the feminism and scream. We'll be here for five hours. But like I think about it with like Lori Strode, like yeah. 
it's like and I'm really scared about the exorcist reboot but like we have um Ellen Bernstein coming back and it's like I feel like the exorcist could really like untap a lot of themes about feminism and being a woman and like that's why horror has always been my favorite genre is because it it unpacks such heavy subjects without being like capital H heavy and I would love to see a woman tackle those stories but it's like Jillian was saying like I feel like in the United States like the way movies are greenlit and properties are given out it's like women are not really afforded the same opportunities as we see overseas where women can make really bold storytelling decisions and creative decisions and like that's why like people like honestly like Rachel Morrison I'm really excited for her directorial debut because I feel like her as a cinematographer she chooses to like show us such visually unique things um even with her work on the hills um but I think she's really exciting and I'm excited for her as a director but like I think about like Jenny Beaven's costume designs like she is so unique in the choices she tells and that's why she's constantly recognized by the academy with nominations because like she takes such big swings and like her visual style is so unique and I think like those are the kind of women in the industry that like I always like cling to as like my favorites because they're they like force their way essentially to make these choices and I just wish we could see more women afforded that opportunity without having to have like the resume to prove it because men aren't offered like forced to do that also so it's like I don't know if either of you have seen the documentary um on Netflix called this changes everything but it's like about exactly that um and they have oh my gosh they had like Patty Jenkins on where she talked about like the huge gap between her two movies I um, wanted to see that and then getting Wonder Woman and like all the stuff around it and it talks about like if this the different stakes for like a woman versus a male director specifically like if their film flops and it's like harder for them to come back and like they can like lose everything from that and it's very fascinating I highly recommend um because they they talk to like everyone they talk to like um Ava and like um Pat Patty's story was really fascinating about the duration between her two movies um and just like the different stakes there are and like the relationship with the DGA and all of that. So if anyone is listening, I highly recommend that documentary. I will um, get a Netflix free trial to check it out. I think Hello Sunshine did it, but I can't remember. But I, I was I found it on Netflix one day and it was really like compelling. And I think like for people that don't see that there are, I think specifically for directors and like people that don't see an inequality between male and female directors like this is all the the proven stuff with the statistics like gina davis was involved and all of that that's really interesting i will definitely um, check it out i will say i've not gotten to my not gotten to my um favorite actresses and whatnot (laughs) and i um i will say like i do love angela bassett notoriously um i'm hoping now spoiler alert that she was killed um off in wakanda forever that she'll break free and especially now that she didn't win the oscar i feel like she she needs someone to like write something for her that's like a lead actress like spotlight on her like i don't want to say the safety brothers but i think about like that they like 
really like connected and wrote like something for Adam Sandler in a more serious vein where like she just is coming off of like a comic book movie and I'm not saying anything mean about it I'm just saying like that there was like a big weight of her campaign was like that it like a negative weight was that it was a comic book movie and it was kind of like a vote for her is a vote for that essentially is the way some people in the academy were looking at it yeah I think she like I just think that like specifically women of color and older women of color like have a hard time with things being like written for them right and I think that like like I don't know who like selfishly I really would love it to be um like Jordan Peele's new movie to go back to being a straight-up horror movie and be for her because I think she would be excellent I loved her in the um what is that American Horror Story season Gosh, the coven. Coven. coven she's yeah, so she's good so in coven good. Um, and everything that's what I was yeah. exactly when you were talking about her I was thinking about that yeah she's so excellent in that like something of that kind of nature is like a full-length feature would just be like absolutely and I just really like would love Jordan Peele to um go back to horror straight up um but maybe I don't know like she needs like a writer director to really like craft something for her because like I feel like she has the path to just easily win an Oscar if it's like the right project obviously which is obviously easier said than done but she's just so she has like such a screen presence that like I didn't like Black Panther what kind of forever at all the whole time I was like that is what is she doing here she's too good for this yeah um, I will say going back to Jillian made a point um that I just wanted to like harp on real quick um going to on that comparison of like Captain Marvel versus Black Widow. I think like my biggest beef with Captain Marvel, like I on whole actually think Captain Marvel is a good Marvel film. I do like it and I like the character Captain Marvel, but like my biggest issue that I took with it when it came out was that we were like, oh, this is the first um, like female led uh, Marvel film. Like it was a big deal. And I'm like, okay, but you've had Black Widow in the original Avengers. And at that point, um, I think Endgame, or not Endgame, Infinity War had even come out at that point. So like you have three of the four Avengers movies and you have Black Widow and you're gonna do, you're gonna give Ant-Man a solo film before you give it to Black Widow. Like my biggest issue with that was like, I didn't take issue with Captain Marvel at all. I, I think it's just my thing of like, don't give like, with franchises like don't you don't get to pat yourself on the back because you're like oh we made this female film or we we made this moment where all the female characters are shown on screen at one point like you don't get to pat yourself on the back on that when you've had this female character leading part of your franchise and you've given her no attention like the fact that the black widow movie came out after they killed her off like i'm never gonna get over that that's kind of where marvel kind of began and to fall off with me and they've they me as an or even me as an outsider I was always confused why she didn't have a standalone movie when it felt like everyone else and that um the Avengers did yeah. and it was like just her and like especially because she's in um Iron Man right she's in Iron Man and um but like there were three Iron Man movies 
There were three Thor movies. There were three Captain America. Doesn't it just seem like she was the easiest to have like a female spinoff essentially for? And she has so much backstory that she references. Whatever like ended up happening in the film could have happened. That's like my thing. It's like the fact that, and I know the MCU kind of bounced around the timeline, but like we have moved on. Like Endgame has already premiered. It's, you know, two years after Endgame. Like we have moved on and they're like, ah, for three years ago black widow was doing this and if you were wondering and it's like that's like my beef of like she just kind of became like this afterthought and so it's like you don't get to pat yourself on the back about that was my biggest frustration with that was with uh when captain marvel came out that was my rant that said i do enjoy brie larson um i liked i liked her captain marvel i saw that twice that was my first film review oh she's she's Aww. great in captain marvel i think her, i recently rewatched room and she's so i rewatched lovely. room for the first time since becoming a mother and it um ruined me um oh, but her performance is so insane in that movie like that last scene where she's like i'm not a good ma and he goes but your ma just kills me um also one of my favorite two things about Brie Larson were at the Oscars when she won was um when Lady Gaga did her Diane Warren song mm-hmm. um so what happens to you and Brie Larson hugged every single survivor that left the stage yeah. um not <laughs> on camera by the way like she just did it because yeah. that's Brie Larson um that and then um, Casey Affleck but um when uh um they showed her clip after they showed it she turned around and like high-fived uh Jacob Tremblay behind her it was so cute but it's like she it's like so genuine with her that she just like like nothing is like about her it's like a like everything is like a collaborative effort and like I don't know she just like is so like I, I I understand where the men get off hating her because it's just like sexism it's not anything about her and she was Captain Marvel, and that really bothered them. Um, but she, she was so good in it. I just really like her. And you know what? I miss her Animal Crossing videos. There, I, I said it. I, I, like her, I watch her YouTube videos. YouTube come back to Animal Crossing. Um, what is everybody's favorite female character? Like, fictional. So, I'm going to say mine, but I feel like I have to defend it. And I am ready to I mean, it. mine is Liz the Salander, so don't. Mine <laughs> is Holly Golightly Them? from Tiffany's, Them. which I do know Breakfast at Tiffany's doesn't age super well, I know. But there's something about Holly Golightly's, like, kind of outlook on life that mm-hmm. has always resonated with me and the difference is that she gets to be this like gorgeous socialite and I'm a hermit in my bedroom playing Animal Crossing but like her and I both kind of have that same um I kind of recently realized um that like going to New York City that that scene she talks or that scene where she talks about she gets the mean reds where she's like suddenly you're afraid and you don't know what you're afraid of she's like and the only thing that calms me down is getting in a cab and going to Tiffany's and she said, if I find, if I could find a real life place that made me feel like Tiffany's, then I'd buy some furniture and give the cat a name. And I'm like, that is me when I'm like, just jutting up to New York to go see a Broadway show. Like that is like what I do. And like, I feel very in tune with that character in that regard. I'm not pretending to be like, 
I'm a gorgeous free socialite. Like I'm not. Um, but it's just kind of that outlook on life and her insistence on people don't belong to each other. And I think especially in a, but also, you know, the fact that she eventually does fall in love. Like, it's exactly what I was just talking about of like, that's the thing is she is very feminine and very, um, you know, she's opposed to it, but then she, but not because she's like, I don't have time for it. It's because she has this opposition to commitments of any kind. And she eventually kind of melts away to it. And I think in, for that time period, despite the fact that like that movie has some unforgivable scenes in it, um, I think for that time period to have a character like that is was very kind of novel. Um, and so that character has always kind of struck a chord with me. I actually really love that. It's so funny that um, I, <laughs> in my mind, I always picture the gossip girl episode where it's like the hundredth episode where like Blair is her and then Serena is um oh yes Gentleman's you know, I, I saw Breakfast at Tiffany's on Broadway with Amelia Clark and a fun little anecdote it was the worst Broadway show I'd ever seen because it was adapted more off the novella than it was the movie um but in the end she throws the cat out of the taxi and in the movie, she finds the cat, but in the book slash play, she's not supposed to find the cat. Well, the cat didn't run off stage. And so she like freaks out. And she's like, where's the cat? Where's the cat? And the cat's literally pawing at her foot. And she had to like pretend like it wasn't there. And my dad and I actually, it's the 10 year anniversary of when I saw Breakfast at Tiffany's on Broadway with Amelia Clark. And I told her to her face, I'd never seen Game of Thrones. Um, but it's, that was one of the most awkward, I've, I've since seen Game of Thrones. Um, but at the time I had it. Anyway, um, Kenzie, who was who was your favorite fictional female character? So I always say Elizabeth Salander. Like I, um, there's something about the way she's written that is so magnetic, and I just understand her even without like a full fledged backstory. Um, but I just really connect with her in every adaptation of her minus um the Claire Foy one which I did not see because <laughs> it's not a re- it's not part of the trilogy like what are you doing I here that. I hate that decision so much um it's just and it doesn't make any sense I also like and you're my girl at the dragon tattoo defender with um everything I just like that movie was a huge hit how did we not get the trilogy did we not get the rest of them I just don't understand um but I really do I love both um uh portrayals of her Numi's and Rooney's but Rooney's is just so good like I that scene where she's like no put your hand back in my shirt um it's so good that and then when she before she freaks out on the probation officer um the way she's sitting with him is just like you can feel that something is wrong before you even know what is wrong um with him and I just I don't know there's something so much to be said about her especially like her opening up to the possibility of love and then like when it goes south I just feel like you really like feel for her so much when she throws it in the dumpster oh my god oh I really love her but I guess my other fictional character I don't know I really like hmm I mean I really love Joe March obviously just an all-timer but that's like 
from a novel so I feel like it's not the same um you know who I really love <laughs> I'm, I'm a little angel um Celeste in Vox Lux is so fascinating yes. to me she is so bonkers and um that part where she's crying and I think it's because she's coming down from her drugs and just like sad that she messed up her big show and she's like I looked so ugly <laughs> oh it's just so real and I really love the way that she's portrayed as like I don't know just like the seeping depression and like pressure and just like the evolve of from her tragedy to like how she dealt with it and did not deal with it is so fascinating I just love um complex female characters so I feel like that's why they're all a little messed up oh and Susie Banyan um what a woman the woman she is I am she um but she uh you know watching her go from like scared and intimidated to mother's superiorum is incredible and I love stories that are about women rising to power good or bad love it all Jillian who is your favorite fictional character I feel like it's too soon to say Lydia Tarr. Maybe I have agency bias. So I'll let you know in five years. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it'll ever. And I feel like that ranking, like right now I'm exhausted from Tarr. I have Tarr's Austin um, where I can't think about it. But I feel like in a a few years, it'll probably be the same. Um, Because like that one specifically which I also felt the same about Michelle Yeoh and everything ever all at once like that role would traditionally be played by a man but I think because it adds the identity politics into it like it's just more layered and like we act like we act like bad women don't exist um because of our obsession with like representation and high spots and I think just like acknowledging that and just taking like what what would that look like if a woman did that because we have these conversations so much about men in power and I think like women in power um is just such a fascinating character study I also want to say and I think that's funny that this is what the character's name is but (laughs) the female and under the skin played by Scarlett Johansson um I I don't hate Scarlett Johansson if she's on the lower end for me in her roles but I love I love science fiction films they're like my favorite genre um and I think like because she I feel like when we think of women in science fiction except for a few examples it's very like sexualized and like that is what her character represents but I think just the way that she's utilized to kind of examine like humanity and like um her relationship with humans in this like also the way they film that movie is insane um they're just like walking around in that pink jacket but I think just like the way that she tries to identify with the humans and like although she looks and can fit in like there's also this there's always like this lingering feeling of like she's not the same on the inside because she's fake um and like once she like lit and I love like I, there's so many things I so many layers out this film I wrote a paper on it like the way the repetition of like eyes and like all that but then when she lets her guard down and it was like her trust was like 
manipulated back onto her. Um, I just think it's such a fascinating look on science fiction from like a female gaze, even though it's written by and directed by a man, um, which is okay. We'll give him a pass. And then I've always liked, I hate, there's these are two about mental health. I love um, Justine and Melancholia because I think it's like, now we're at a time where, um, I think people think they're going crazy because it's like so many things are happening and it's like you don't feel like everyone else and it like it comes back at you and I feel like that film does such a good job at being like no it's okay because like she never feels fine in like normal situations but like when she realizes the world is ending then she's like happy um which I relate (laughs) I relate (laughs) which I'm like she gets it she knows um and also I hate the way that um mental health is represented in Girl Interrupted because it's so bad um no offense but to whoever wrote it but um I love Angela Jolie's character in that and Winona Ryder um who play Susanna and Lisa even though the mental health depiction is offensive if for what mental health they're representing um I feel like that's the first film I saw where it was about like female friendship in a weird way because they're all like insane but they all like relate in the situation they're in um I don't know that one was just like this these are all about mental health maybe something maybe I have something I don't know but those are good and I also like Queen Anne even though she's a real person I just love that she was just literally Olivia Coleman and that being a child and winning an Oscar for it I absolutely love her Queen Anne. I just absolutely love Olivia Coleman. Great expectations. Olivia Coleman is my favorite female. Mine too. Mine too. <laughs> I'm stealing Kinsey's. The day uh, the day something comes out about her will be the day I'm done with. Or one Olipop out for Olivia Coleman. Um, what flavor do you think she would like? What flavor would Olivia go? What's mm, see? I'm tempted. To I'm say, gonna go. What are you gonna say before I say mine? Well, no, mine has no real method to it other than she is the best, and vintage cola is the best, and therefore, oh, I was gonna say cream soda because I feel like she's like, like I want a treat. You know, like she's like, I want the one that's like the most. She is a treat. So there you yeah, go. So, Let like, me tell you, she wouldn't like Poppy because it's terrible. Poppy, Raspberry unless Rose Poppy, is you want to give us one. money, in which yeah. case we will change the name and say we love poppies. Unless you want to give us free tracksuits. I do have a question. On the back, it says pop cultured in the same font that pop culture. <laughs> I know. Ooh. The other drink, are they related? trademark infringement left and right over here anyway good sausage stone (laughs) anyway these are the four sodas that have started this madness she could do um the pictures of the sodas like us in the one ads in black and white these are the four sodas that have started it (laughs) anyway on that note um Thank you for joining us for another installment of the Oscar Central Podcast. Um, Again, things are only going to get more chaotic from here. Uh, Kenzie, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can follow me at Kinsvenunu on all platforms and uh, except Letterboxd is at Kins Doyle. Fantastic. Jillian, what about you? 
You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Jillian Chili. And you can find me on TikTok at Offscreen with Jillian. For as long as it's around. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at @lexwilly W I L L I underscore. You can find me on TikTok for as long as it's around uh, at Moonshoes Lexi. Um, I really should learn what my letterbox handle is because it is different and I don't know it. But again, the last movie I logged was I just logged Geppetto. I gave it five stars, but and I've not touched it since January since then. So don't even bother. Um, be sure to subscribe to the Author Central podcast if you haven't already, um, because, again, things are only going to get ca- more chaotic from here um and so with that um we have dethroned the phrase that's the show i've decided that that will remain jacob's i don't mean that shady it's just it's going to remain jacob's thing um and so until i think of something better um that's all folks